But my second largest city is Burlington, Vermont, where I'm from. And I talk you know to... that's where my housemate's from. Are you serious? Yeah, you talked to him like on Twitter like a while back. He's from Burlington. Oh my god. That's so funny. The running joke the running joke is that uh whenever something is from Vermont, he's always like, Oh, it's from my hometown. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, is that from your hometown? <laughs> ben and Jerry's, oh, it's from your hometown. <laughs> Actually, though, that is, that's me with yeah. like maple syrup. I'm the same way with Ben & Jerry's, obviously. But Welcome to the Carson Daily Show, the crypto culture talk show nobody asked for. Today, we are talking to one of my favorite people ever, Nathan Beer. Nathan is a film photographer and videographer. He has been an artist for 20 plus years with vast industry experience ranging from Web3 to music to neuroscience, pharmacy, cannabis, and food. He currently resides in Miami, Florida. Nathan, welcome to the show. So good to be here. Thank you for having me. It is an honor. And to be beside you once again is just truly, truly amazing. Thank you. Um, Love having you. I guess I wasn't going to mention this, but I will say now, like we are re-recording this, which is actually awesome because I feel like I'm, I was so nervous. Like you were my second interview. I was so scared and nervous and so new to it. And every time a new episode comes out, everybody's like, oh my God, they get better and better. So I am really going to bring the professionalism as I'm like holding my phone with my notes and I couldn't connect 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I just want you to <laughs> Using know. My account. <laughs> using, I'm like, can you help me? I'm like the most um, like unprepared uh, podcast, but whatever. Okay. So Nathan, we're going to get into it. All right. We're going to yeah. just dive in. Part we're of excited. re-recording this, okay, is some changes have happened. And I'm going to just say, I've been talking about this in the show for a little while. And anybody else who has been keeping up with Web3 News knows that a significant number of changes and layoffs have been happening in the world of Web3, um, all the way back starting really in April. Um, Do you want to share how this has affected you? Sure. Um, Well, first time, I think. I think you're sharing this for the first time from what I've gathered from socials. Yeah, yeah, I haven't really put anything out on socials. I think, you know, being in such a nascent space like Web3, it's, it's, e- it's easy to get caught up in the fact that this is so exciting, but it's also very volatile. And, you know, for me, I've been in it for such a long time that, the you know, the layoffs and the bear markets and the bull markets, like, doesn't really phase me the same way it phases a lot of other people. Um, I'm currently no longer at super rare as uh as a result of that you know these rounds of layoffs but at the same time like i had an amazing nearly two years i got to see the world i got to meet incredible artists and collectors i got to put together videos and you know work that i'm very proud of and i i don't see the space is too new and too early and too not even anywhere truly built yet for it to be 20 plus year careers in anywhere at anywhere in anything. So I I look at this as like, what do I get to do today? Cool. What do I get to do tomorrow? Cool. Like at any point, I'm just trying to do the thing that I love most. And um, wherever that is, if there's a break in between that, I'm still happy. That is so fucking wise. Like I love your perspective. Um, I'm obviously like, sorry, I guess. That's like the right thing to say, right? For whatever reason, people like we've been socially conditioned to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like you're going through this change in transition, you know, in having lost your job right now. But it's like really amazing that you have the perspective that you do and that, you know, it kind of just then when you were talking about it made me think of early internet days or early Silicon Valley days, like how many people were in these jobs and at these startups doing awesome new things, exploring new technology, and maybe feeling like I'm not going to be here for the next 20 years. I'm not meant to be here for the next 20 years and I don't want to be. And going into it with that mindset makes it so much easier, I think, to have peace with, okay, like this chapter has ended. Like this is the part of my story like this is where this part of my story closes, which I think is fucking awesome. Um, 
I had a question. I wanted to talk about just so people know in the time that you were at Super Rare, what were your various job titles and responsibilities there? So I started Super Rare beginning of 2021 and I started as the head of content. So that was the video, the photo, the writing. And within a year, you know, we had the token launch. I worked on the token launch video and the live, um, live stream for that. That turned out really, really well. Um, I did a couple like 101 videos, educational videos. I did um, spotlight interviews with people like Calf, with uh, um, Don Juiz, with, um, you know, a bunch of other artists that, you know, was truly, you know, getting to know them was was amazing. I got to go to the um, events and one of the unofficial roles that I had was like, I don't know, cultural attache ambassador to a degree. I think, you know, wherever I went, I was the super rare evangelist. Um, and I thought that, you know, and I still do think that it is the greatest place to be in, in NFTs and crypto art. And even though I'm not there anymore, like I, I still feel that way. Um, it's still the pinnacle for pretty much every artist to a degree. Um, you know, if that changes in the future, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, it's predictions. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, entertain, but the year after I moved to the visual editor, so we started doing more of the editorial side of things and the um, magazine started. And so I was the visual editor of that. And that was still more of the video and the photo, but just a kind of a different part and um, part of the company. And I got to go to Mexico and meet artists. I got to go to Paris and meet artists. I got to go to Barcelona and work on, um, I got to go to Barcelona and work on a very like significant project that I don't think I can talk about here just yet, but it was something that I thought thought would be like the way for NFTs and crypto art to enter the mainstream in a very big way. Um, so hopefully that comes to light at some point, but it was a very good two years. I got to do some really cool shit. Amazing. And just so you know, we're not going to talk about this the whole time, but I do like want to talk about it because I think it's important anytime you like close a chapter in your life, it is important to have these like postmortems. And I remember when I was leaving Super Plastic, one of the best pieces of advice that somebody gave me was literally open up a deck, like a slides deck, a new slides deck in Google right now, and like just go through your brain cavity or whatever and figure like on every single slide, write down everything that you did. And because you'll lose it because it's not until you're you're you know trying to capture what those things are and you're trying to explain that you're like oh wait I actually did that or I forgot that I had done that so I wanted to ask you in on that note you know what there's three questions what did you do exceptionally well at your this is also I'm also setting you up for like the best this is the best CV podcast episode you could have <laughs> what did you do exceptionally well at super rare what do you think you could have done better or maybe wish you did differently and what is the like nathan beer effect meaning what is the one, the thing that you pioneered or brought to super rare that will have a lasting impact on the company for eternity, whether you are there or not. Yeah. Um, a great set of three questions that I'm going to have yeah. great difficulty answering. Cause I have trouble, <laughs> you know, talking positively about the work that I do. Um, but you know, to start off. I think the thing that I did exceptionally well in my eyes was, maintaining a positive workplace culture for everybody or you know as many people as i could who were there i think you know when i left everyone was very surprised and you know i get it you know video is one of the first things to go when you know the markets turned down um at the same time like that wasn't my official role and perhaps to some degree i should have tried to make it such um i think the work that I did, the videos that I did, I put so much care, attention, and love into them. And that, you know, that's why, even though I didn't do that many of them, I think that each one had, you know, a very big impact to a degree for the people who saw them. Um, I try to, I try my best to focus on quality over quantity. And to some degree, like sometimes you need quantity over quality. Like it's, you kind of got to find that compromise and, I have some trouble compromising on quality for the sake of output. 
Um, and I think, you know, that first part of what we talked about will be what has the lasting effect on Superware, whether I'm, whether or not I'm there in the future, whether or not I go back. Like, I think the effect that I have on people is that I try to bring the light in my life to other people, whether that's through my wisdom of experience, whether that's through just, you know, the positivity that I have about how excited I am about what we do, what we get to do. Um, and at the same time, like I like to, you know, troll on Twitter and talk shit, like, but <laughs> I think so that's part of the it. fun of it. Like I think that's part of the fun of it, right? Yeah. Like if we're not talking shit, if we're not, you know, gossiping to a degree, if it's, if it's all, if it's, you know, if it's not in good fun, that's a different thing. But, um, I think I, I pushed so hard to get other people, I push so hard to get other people to care about the same things that I do and the things that I truly care about because I think there's good reason to care about them. And I try to be clear about those reasons why and also in my behavior and my you know, rhetoric and the way that I talk about things. Um, I don't you know, shale necessarily. I think it's, I like to lead by example to a degree um, to the best of my ability, I'll, I'll say. Um, and I think other people should too. I think there's a difference between keeping your head down and going to work because it's work and it's a nine to five and it's a job that you have. And there's that group of people, which I respect. I get it. I understand. And there's the other people that make it their life's mission to make what they do have the most impact that they possibly can and have the most positive effect on the world around them. That's, you know, countless hours. I didn't never track my hours, but I know I did more than 40 hours a week, any given week. <laughs> it was my fucking life. It was my, I eat, I eat, slept and ate, slept and breathed super rare. And honestly, there's no reason why, like, I have no reason not to keep doing that other than like, I'm not going to do work. You know, I'm not going to do the active work, but I still fully believe in that mission. I still fully believe that crypto art is and through super rare is probably the best way to buy it um so yeah i don't know i yeah i guess hopefully that answers it no it's perfect <laughs> i think that answer like couldn't capture you better as a person like for people <laughs> who are listening like and i want to co-sign everything like you definitely did and like i can 100% believe that you still will eat sleep and breathe super rare you were definitely like the physical embodiments like of a person <laughs> that like you know that was super rare and I think it's so important just answering that question with you know what did you do exceptionally well and your answer is so oh, I I brought culture like I you, you were striving to maintain this community culture within the company which is huge. It would be so easy for somebody to be like, I did exceptionally well. I got partnerships and I raised their revenue and I did this and I did that. Like, you know, I increased their social media presence. Those are the default answers. Like those are the answers that I would be giving if somebody asked me. But I think it's just a testament to who you are, that you are saying that you can look back on your time and say, I really feel like I helped people to experience and feel the culture of the company through my lens and through my own feelings. So I think that that's awesome. It's just a fucking sick answer. Yes, you crushed it. And I love it because it's also a great transition to my next question, which is um, something that we talked about a lot the first time we recorded. But people might not know that you had a really successful party planning operation. I guess this is what I'm calling it, um, called Free Grilled Cheese from 2013 to 2018. You know, I think that is also a big, from what I took and what I learned about it, that was also about creating culture and creating community and how, just explain for people listening, like what Free Grilled Cheese was and how that was a conduit for building community around you and taking community with you, you know, when you were early to, um, or an early resident to Los Angeles. Yeah, man. I, I often think back to actually, I have the, uh, I have the sticker, our original nice. logo on, on my water bottle. <laughs> um, the, we had just, it was me and me and two of my friends and what turned into three of my friends, one of which lives with me today. 
And we just um, saw him walk into the we episode. <laughs> we did. Guest appearance. Unofficial guest appearance. Um, we were all very green to Los Angeles. And we all were doing our music things kind of separately. Like I wrote for Ear Milk. Um, two of my other housemates were DJs, musicians, producers. Another one, you know, was a chef and also very big into music, has a record label in Jamaica. Um, and we had all these like, you know, individual circles and groups of people that we were, you know, starting to become friends with. And we figured, you know, we'd have a house party. Why not? Let's go. Pretty much brand new within the first year. We had a, um, a three bedroom spot in Los Feliz, California. Right by Silver Lake. And represent. We represent. Represent. And we had a, we had like 30 people in our apartment. I always say 30. I don't know the exact number. Um, turned out really well. And we had like a little panini press in the house. And we were like, all right, well, you know, why don't we just make, what do we have? We have bread. We have cheese. Let's throw some grilled cheese together. Fine. Um, everybody afterwards was like, yo, that hit. And we saw that and we were like, yo, that hit. And we were like, there's definitely like something here. Like, number one, why do people leave a party? Most often, you know, they're tired. It's time to get food. Like, they're hungry, whatever. So, like, why don't we just provide all that stuff for them? Like, a house party where you can chill on a couch, pass out if you want to, make real cheesy food. And that went from 30 people in an apartment. By party number three, I was out for a beer run getting more for you know getting more beer for the party and i come back and skrillex is just like on my stoop on our stoop just like chilling and i have like a 30 rack of you know whatever in my hands and i'm like what's up dude like <laughs> you you want to come in like what's, what's going on here um and he was like yeah man yeah you know i've you know we just got just got here apparently my friend um kevin who worked at Oslo at the time and was like a you know producer um, with with Skrillex. He had been you know him and I had gotten really close as friends, and he was out to dinner with Skrillex, and he was like, oh you know they were out to dinner, and he wasn't really eating, and Sonny was like, you know why are you, you know why aren't you eating? He's like, oh I'm saving up for this grilled cheese party. And Sonny was like, what the like what? <laughs> <laughs> like that's too much of a coincidence. There can't there can't be oh, somebody right. else throwing a grilled cheese party. <laughs> Like, it's too niche. It's too niche. It's too niche. And he was like, okay, well, I want to fucking go. And so that's why he was on my stoop, just, you know, chilling. Durant, Kevin had brought, you know, Sonny and that whole crew over to the house. And um, it after that, like, word got around and it got way too big for our house. And we had to start doing it to, you know, at different venues. We did it at the Bob Baker at Marionette Theater. We did it at the Mansion in the Hills. We did it at Coachella. Um, but the mission, for that whole thing was very much to bridge the gaps between our individual friends and friend circles. And, you know, we would have CDJs and we would have our friends just open decks, play whatever you want. And people would go back to back and realize that they're really good together and, you know, play on tour or work on music together. Um, and we realized that like by just providing a space, providing food, providing good vibes, providing an intimate space, it's a perfect way and a perfect Petri dish for just, bringing people together you know people like dave krugman understand that today like he does the same thing um so it's it's you can't i can't under i can't oversell i can't undersell whatever i don't know the word for it but i i can't stress enough the fact that you don't need dead mouse to play your fucking party at some big conference to have a good event you can have you can rent a house rent an Airbnb, have 30 people over, that's going to be so much more memorable than just like some big venue with some big DJ that's going to, you know, cost whatever for you in this five, six figures, when all you need is a few grand, get a house, get drinks, get food, and just ha invite cool people, friends of friends, one degree of separation, two degrees of separation, and you can build a community very, very easily that way. I feel like I'd be, you know, a really good community manager in that way because I understand that. Um, and I've had that experience doing that. So I feel like my answers are too long. I feel like I'm no, they're not. <laughs> Shut up. They're so good. Okay, well, I'll tell. I'll move on to the next question then. So you kind of started to get into it, I think. But we'll break this up, and and I want to ask what 
were some of the lessons that you can extract from free grilled cheese and that you have or that you can apply to, you know, NFT and Web3 community building? I feel like one of the things that we didn't do right with free grilled cheese was that we didn't monetize sooner. And I will take responsibility. One of the issues that I had was that it's free grilled cheese. How do we monetize free? And I didn't like today, obviously I understand. And they tried to get me to understand it sooner. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'll take that. I'll take the, the fall for that. But um, you don't need to monetize like charge at the door. You can monetize, you know, a few other ways. I don't feel like a company that uses this model for community building necessarily needs or should monetize it that same way. But for us, like that's all we did was throw these parties. Like we should have had tickets. We should have, you know, provided free grilled cheese, but the grilled cheese is free. The party isn't free. And that's, you know, finally it fucking clicked, you know, years later. Um, <laughs> but those lessons, like I, you really can't go wrong with inviting your friends over somewhere. Maybe it's different now that it's, you know, a decade later and I'm in my thirties now, and maybe I don't want to stay out super late, but you can still or have people in your house. That's my problem. I'm like, I don't want anybody in my house. Like nobody, please, nobody come to my house. (laughs) Yeah. But it's funny. Like we revived free grilled cheese for one night during Art Basel Miami this year or last year. Was it this year? Last year. Um, As in like a couple months ago last year. As in a couple months ago last year. (laughs) 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 And, um, you know, we put a lot of stress on ourselves. Me and Dante put a lot of stress on ourselves to like, live up to this expectation of how it used to be we hadn't done it for years it's like well oh it has to be you got to spin this we got to get all this alcohol we, honestly like 45 people wound up showing up but they were some of the best people that i know in the space it was like robbie from lewis the child it was the transient lab guys it was um you know jen stein it was everybody who like you know some of the super guys it was everybody who either had heard of each other knew each other already um wanted to meet each other and we provided this space we all just hung outside in our backyard for like it was like like it was like a barbecue i don't know but we made grilled cheese everyone fucking loved it dante worked incredibly hard on those recipes like um my girlfriend kenzie made the made the drinks and it felt like the first party that we ever threw to a degree like we didn't really have you know djs we had you know jazz playing in the back in the backyard so we kind of adapted it to this new this new age bracket that we're in um but it had that same vibe of those early days and that's all you know that's all we ever wanted well i think like that is important to point out because i want to ask just point blank like how many people that came to that party the free grilled cheese party in miami had been to free grilled cheese parties in LA. I imagine it, it, maybe there were a couple, but probably a not. Yeah, a handful. So I think one of the important things in some a, a co- topic that keeps coming up in conversations, even like in my own home, as you know, like I live with a like wildly amazing and successful and talented artist is like, you can't expect that people are going to actually like remember what you did in times before, whether it's drops before, or in your case, whether it's parties before, like you haven't, yes, or care. Like you are, your obligation is to just bring the vibe and like maintain a thread of consistency in community, in that community building, in your brand, in whatever it is, whether it's, you know, your art style and your, you know, in our case, like your, you know, unapologetic attitude and persona and who you are or in the free grilled cheese case, like, is there free grilled cheese? Is there fucking good vibes and music and great people? Like that I think is, there's a larger lesson here for like NFTers and, and people building web three communities. It's like people, new people will show up. Old people will not return. Like original people that came won't come back. Like you don't really have to worry about, like you even said, just accepting the fact that back in the day, you're the, there was a point of contention of how do we monetize this? And you were like, no, we have, we said it was free. We said this, like we, it needs to be free across the board, but it's like, 
people that have already had that experience of going and and like having it be free will return and then say, all right, you have to pay five dollars at the door. They're gonna be like, fucking what's five dollars? Like, hell yeah, I pay five dollars for this. Like I had a fucking blast last time. And people who are coming for the first time aren't even going to know that it was free to get in the last time. Like, I think I won't ramble anymore, but there is like a bigger lesson there. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Anyways, but I want to ask, so like kind of speaking of Web3, something I'm really interested in, because as you know, I am a gossip. I try to use my gossiping uh, passion for good and not evil. But I want to know, you just got back from Mexico. What the hell's going on over there? Why are so many people there? <laughs> what am I missing? <laughs> what am I missing? It's the Web3 diaspora is, is what's happening over there. Um but seriously, I'm know. seeing even tweets about this now. Like people are making it like a joke. Like it's becoming like a meme trend of people like, oh, you're in Mexico. Cool. Me too. Oh, you're staying here. Cool. Me too. Oh, you're going here. Cool. Me too. Like what is happening? Why are yeah. so many people there? Uh, I actually know exactly why people are in Mexico and I know the source of it. and I know how it happened. Tell because... me now, please. <laughs> um. So a very good friend of mine who I've known since the consensus days, um, you know, 2018, Evan McMullen, who works at, you know, founded Disco, is pioneering the digital identifiers, Absolutely. verifiable credentials, data backpack movement. Obsessed. Um, Obsessed with that her. is truly going to change. At the seams. Bursting at the seams. Bursting at the seams. At the, at the sound of her voice. I'm bursting at the seams. Like I am this woman. I'm Tom cruising, like jumping on my chair. I love this woman. I love this woman. I love this woman. Like that's me. Tom Cruise on Oprah. That's me. You know what? You know Evan, right? Yeah. I know her. That's right. What am I talking about? I know her. I know (laughs) she more so than I know her as like, a, a an icon and a mentor in the web three mm-hmm. and digital identity and and data and all of that space. I know her as a rave mother who saved me from a very troubling ecstasy pit that we are not going to talk about. <laughs> but she <laughs> was the face and the voice <laughs> that pulled me out. And returned me to safety. And I'm not saying that to be incriminating, but this woman, this woman, she is like, she is a mother to me in the metaverse and at raves and beyond. Yep. She is a fucking legend through and through to the fullest degree. Like somebody who tweeted, I think Ryan from Bankless tweeted yesterday. It was like, who's, who's like the most powerful person in crypto? And I said, uh, low key, like unequivocally, Evan McMullen. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. No, not even a close competition. Like not no. even a close competition. No, like Vitalik eats your fucking heart out with your. Yeah, you tokens. wish, like, bitch. Go, go chill over there, bro. Like, oh you my did god. Good stuff, but let Evan take over. She's amazing. Okay, um, so how did she get like a hundred people to like? How did she start this Mexico trend? It's the same concept that we've been talking about this whole time. She was at dinner talking to a few people being like, Hey, let's go to Mexico. Like she's a, he's, she's a, uh, she's got a knack for the wanderlust. She's a real, uh, world traveler. She's a traveler. Um, she's a traveler for sure. Any given time I'll talk to her. I have no idea where she is. Like never, and I fucking ever. respect and love the shit out of that. And so the way she tells me she was at dinner with a couple of people and they were like talking about it, like, Oh, let's go to Mexico city. And of course, you know, they start a group. More people start adding to that group. Word of mouth start happening. Oh, cool. I got nothing to do. You know, or I just got laid off. Let's go to Mexico. And I hit her up while I was still at Super, you know, you know, um, you know, happy go lucky. Well, yeah, I'm still like, sure. Like, I don't know if I can, you know, we got some big stuff coming. I don't know if we're going to have time. Boom. Shit happened. And I was like, send it. Let's fucking go. I stayed with Evan. Stayed on a, Honestly, like I can sleep pretty much anywhere. Like I can sleep on a couch, I can sleep on a floor with a blanket, a pillow, whatever. But I tell you the couch and the place that we were staying at, you could feel each individual spring at any shift, <laughs> at any shift that you were to make throughout the night. Like, but I still did it because I wanted to be there because I love being around them yeah. and we had a fucking blast. I was with George Beal. I was with May. I was with um, 
Um, Alex, another one of Evan's friends, like old extra roommate, and of course Evan. And we just like, honestly, honest to God, I understand why everybody is in Mexico because this whole metaverse thing that we've been living in is like, we think it's Twitter, we think it's, uh, we think it's, you know, Discord, we think it's, you know, Twitter Spaces, whatever. But the real, t- the real metaverse is the friends we made along the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like, literally, like, like the metaverse means those people that live or are digital nomads or live, you know, far away from you, thousands of miles away. You try to find as many opportunities to get together because even though you pick up right where you left off, you need those time. You need that time together to shoot the shit, to talk about things that are going on, things that you hear, things that I hear. Like the conversations that I had in those short seven days, six, seven days that I was there, like I haven't had a conversation at any given point during that trip. Those conversations that I those conversations that I had during those six, seven days, even any single one of them was more fulfilling and better and more just made me feel better than half the shit I have at a conference with some random people, like because I know them and because I got to meet people through them. And and we would just like stay up all fucking night talking about the, you know, the reality of verifiable credentials and, you know, eigenlayer stuff and how the next wave, what's, what's going to cause it? You know, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? What do you believe in? What do you, what do I believe in? It just like, like, I get it. If you have a chance to go to Mexico because you're in web three and want to like hang out with those people, they're there. You can make a meme out of it. You can make a joke out of it, but like, it's easy to make fun of something, but it's, I feel like a little more difficult to like get over that part and get what you can out of something just because like you think it's cringe like yeah a lot of people are there so the fuck what you should go too 100 <laughs> like- <laughs> and that's what people should know too about evan is if you dm her and you don't know her you have no prior connection but you say like i heard this podcast or i saw this thing on twitter like can I come? She would be like, yes, come. Do you need a ride? Pick you up. Do you need somewhere to stay? Do you want to get coffee? Have you met this person? Have you met that? Like, that's how she is, which is why, like you just said, yes, you can make a joke. You can like going to one of these conferences where it's like, you feel like, oh, it's in a city and it's open and it's, you know, this like impersonal, like it has no, there's no person attached to it. It's just a thing. Like I can go and meet people and it'll be awesome. Like save your time and money and instead like go where you know that the the good, awesome people are. And I think that again is another one of the, this is turning into like this episode is like an Evan McMullen, like simp because she's so amazing but like literally all the time but she is i think this is one of the reasons why she's the most powerful person in all of web3 and crypto because she does travel around everywhere because she knows how important it is to be available and to be out into the world so she has these you know various addresses and places she stays and these amazing people come out and they're around her and people like you people like LDF like people who are fucking incredible legend and they just go where she is and you know wherever she is you're going to be with the coolest fucking people so i want to ask like you started to talk about it but what like what are people building like what did you pick up on like what are those ideas like what really if you could pick like two or three things that you that you took from that trip that you're the most excited about, what are they? Because and I'm asking this because I think it's like a really pessimistic time. Like even though ETH is kind of doing its thing and it's teetering and Bitcoin is kind of like people are like, yes, we're out. But like it's still quiet and cold. So I want to like give people hope and optimism. Like what did you pick up on while you were there that you're super excited about? Ideas, philosophies, projects, whatever. Um. The first two that come to mind, number one, George was telling me about, you know, this thing called the eigenlayer, which I, honest to God, like, I don't even understand the brunt of it. It's not really out yet. They don't even have a white paper. There's not much, like, nothing's launched. But from what I, you know, from the conversations that we had, like, it's just, 
will kind of like change DeFi in a very insane way that allows you to honestly I'm gonna butcher it so I'm not even gonna bother explaining it. Let me see if I can spell this properly. E I G A E I G E N L A Y E R. One word. Um the Ethereum restaking collective. Leveraging trust, hyperscaling blockchains, unleashing open innovation. Like even though there's very little from what I was told and from what I understand that I clearly can't, you know, regurgitate here. Um, I'm very bullish on, you know, this whole space once it does launch, because it's going to kind of bring this, the theory is that it's going to bring this new wave of finance um, and DeFi to the forefront that people can use and actually like, you know, use responsibly. And, um, and it's a, you know, a proof of stake, based DeFi plat layer that I, I so honestly let's I'm get him on the show it, but, get him on the show um, link me up yeah. let's get him on the show I'll, yeah. we'll fucking figure it out this sounds sick it was, I'm into it it was created by this professor I think of finance maybe economics but the guy's like a fucking genius so that's number one one of the other very interesting conversations that we had was about carbon credits and how you can buy a piece of land plant trees in a you know, set amount of spaces apart and earn, you know, money just by selling the carbon credits of that land. And the idea what? is to buy, to, you know, get cheap land somewhere in like Madagascar or somewhere and just plant trees and maintain that as like a, a nature reserve and you can sell the credits. I mean, technically speaking, like Tesla doesn't make a lot of money on the cars or the batteries or the or the um, solar panels, they make the brunt of their money on selling carbon credits. And I think, what do we say? What do we see? We saw like 40 acres of land with trees planted appropriately can make you like $5,000 a year, which doesn't really seem like a lot. But if you get very cheap land and you just plant trees, like number one, you're doing a great thing for the environment. Number two, you can make a little cash on the side from that. Um, I don't know. I'm not like an expert on this stuff. This isn't like, like not full disclosure, <laughs> not environmental advice, um, not financial advice. Yeah. Um, I may sound really stupid here with this stuff, but you know, that's what I picked up on. I'm still diving, you know, as much as I can into that with the time that I have. Who am I kidding? I have a lot of fucking time. Um, <laughs> yes, I love who it. Who am I kidding? <laughs> like, um, that's number two. I think number three just the different you know chains that are that are doing really well like cosmos and um duality and neutron you know kind of what's being built on other chains that as an ethereum maxi for a very long time i kind of like didn't really dismissed but i didn't spend the time to learn so i was like oh well ethereum's like number one this is what i care about most like i i was doing myself a very big disservice and i started diving in a little bit more this at the middle and last and end of last year, but you know, having those conversations with other people who knew a lot more than me about all that stuff was like very rewarding and enlightening. And I got to like, just learn from other people's insight, you know, and that's what was so great about Mexico. I got to, I got to learn from other people's insight in a very relaxed environment where we're just going out to dinner and getting, going to the bars and hanging out at the house. And um, yeah, you know, again, this is, you know, if somebody in Web3 has time and money to spend to go to Mexico City for a few days, like, highly recommend it because okay. the people who are there are fucking some of the greatest. So cool. And I totally relate to you saying, oh, I'm an Ethereum maxi and how could I, like, get involved with something else? Because that's, you know, that was basically me. And I am now coming to realize that actually my, I use, like, being an Ethereum maxi as a way to, Kind of just limit um, my availability to not knowing things like, oh, I know like I know how to talk about Ethereum when it comes to cryptocurrency. I know how to explain this to people, blah, blah, blah. And I know how to like whatever. So I didn't have to mm -hmm. learn. But but it's in the same way. It's like imagine the people who were Bitcoin maxis totally like missed out on Ethereum. Like there is so much more to learn. And this is what is one of like the biggest differences of DeFi from like traditional finance is that it's not just like $1. It's not just gold. It's not just like 
you know, property. Like there are so many more assets and there are so many more things that can be done with these assets. Like so cool. So I love it. Um, I think like it, it all really worked out for you, like for you to be able to go and the timing that it all happened. Like it's, it's really exciting. And I'm glad that I get to have the insight, like as your friend and also now as like a podcast journalist. <laughs> um, did you guys talk about me? <laughs> of course we talked about you. It's Good. impossible not to bring a person daily in any <laughs> conversation that I have. Are you kidding me? That's all I need to know. Okay. So I want to talk about, first of all, okay, I've got a couple of things, less serious things. One, fuck, marry, or kill. I'm going to give you three things. You have to fuck one thing, marry one thing, and kill another thing. Um, DSLR cameras, film cameras, or 360 cameras. I would... Um... I would marry film cameras. Yeah. I would I would fuck 360 cameras. I would marry film cameras and I would kill DSLRs. Okay. And I'll, do you want me to tell you why? Yeah, 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 please do. Okay. Cuz I think it might have changed. I think you killed maybe 360 cameras last time. Probably. So, I would Which kill DSLRs. Yeah, I would. Okay, so I would kill DSLRs now because I truly believe that they're all the fucking same. And for me personally, they take the fun out of photography. And the fun for photography for me is like nailing it on the first try, building my skill with film, getting that natural grain, those natural colors. There's like, I don't know, it's kind of like vinyl versus CD. You know, it's very elitist, it's very hipster, it's very, you know, whatever. Um, but if you pick up a Nikon or a Sony or a, or let's just say a Nikon or a Canon, like you're going to get the same raw file from both of them. Like unless you see the file extension of the metadata, you're not going to know which camera it came from. But if I shoot on my Minolta Hymatic AF2 or my Nikon 35 Ti or my Ricoh GR or my you know, any other one of my cameras, my Canon 81, like I'm going to know the difference and anybody else who sees it is going to know the difference. And, you know, that's why Leicas are so popular. That's why, you know, there's just something je ne sais quoi about film and the camera that you use that you can't get from DSLR. So I would marry film because it's going to be forever exciting. You're always going to learn something new. You are going to be constantly impressed, constantly, you know, there's issues, yes, but you figure them out. Like it's literally a fucking marriage, right? Um, and I would fuck, I would fuck 360 cameras because they're just fun, man. <laughs> they are. People need to look at your um, your posts on Instagram, and they will just see exactly what what you're talking about. Let me ask you before we wrap. Like, what are you like? what's this next chapter like for you? Like, what are you, what's your vibe? Like vibe check mood. How do you feel like where, what are you open to? What do you want to do? Like, where is your head at right now? Are you just enjoying well, taking the time? I wish I didn't have this much free time. Like I kind of need to be building something. And I am in the background with a couple of people that one of which I've met in Mexico. Um, we wrapped about a really good idea and a great way to do it. And so we're kind of starting that with a, another friend of ours. Um, it's, it's funny. I kind of have this belief and, you know, it's a cliche, but if you love something, let it go. If it comes back, it's meant to be. And when I left, when I found web three in 2017 and I worked at consensus until 2019, the beginning of 2019, like, after that, I needed to let it go. I needed to just kind of like take a step back. And I did this, you know, to open two cloud kitchens. I worked at a, at a dispensary in, in LA. I worked as a candle maker for a bit. Um, we did the oat milk company. We did a hot sauce company. Like we did a whole bunch of different shit. And that's kind of my like, I love doing it. I love doing a bunch of different shit. Can't really sit still with one thing. And I realized I was, you know, I was talking so much about DeFi and I was getting really heavily in DeFi. I was working at the dispensary, telling everybody, all my coworkers about it, like getting them into it. A couple of them are still into NFTs now. Like, um, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I working at a fucking weed shop? 
like, I don't belong here. What am I doing? I was, I became like the number one salesman at the shop. And like, I did really well, but like, what the fuck am I doing? And so I realized at that time I hit up a couple friends from the consensus days. I'm like, guys, I need to be back in Web3. I want to work at this company, super rare. Like, what do I do? And so my buddy, uh, James Moreau, who also knew the super rare guys, got me an interview. And I basically spoke the same way I'm speaking to you now about everything, like just as passionately as I possibly can, as open and honest as I possibly can. And they vibed with it. And so now that I had, now that Web3 kind of came back to me, I can't just, I'm not going to like go back to a weed shop. I'm not going to go to a restaurant. Like I'm not going to do something else. Um, so I don't really know what that entails. I want to keep doing video storytelling in the space. I want to keep doing, um, you know, a documentary, a, a documentary style recording of this moment in time. Um, where that is yet, I don't know. I think, you know, to a degree, not even to a degree, I think I'd be an excellent community manager, head of community. I think events, I would be great at that too. I, I want to work at a company that, like, I don't think I'm ready to found my own thing yet. I don't think I'm ready to start my own thing on my own again yet, like I did with oat milk. But I want to work somewhere that is like pre-seed, seed round, series A, that needs somebody that can wear a lot of hats because I fucking need that constant simulation. I can't, I can do it very easily. I'm very good at it. I can juggle many things. Um, and yeah, I feel like a lot of these companies that are starting out are either Web3 native and don't really have the cultural side of things or they have the cultural side of things, but the product isn't really that good yet. And I'd love to work with a bunch of Web3 natives and help them, you know, shepherd in the cultural side of internally and externally for whatever they're building. Um, it's clearly what I'm very good at it's that I found over the last few years, last decade, let's call it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to sell myself as like, well, you guys need culture and I can do it. Like, how do I, it's not really like, uh, it's not going to be on Indeed or like, you know, yeah. LinkedIn. Like, how do I say right. I'm head of culture? You know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at right now. Well, I co-sign. This is my reference letter. Um, <laughs> anybody listening, this is the recruitment package. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, I think that you know, I, I'm feeling like a little bit like nostalgic and I just have a lot of empathy because, you know, when I left super plastic, it was very much my identity, like in the same way that super rare was yours. And I think I worked really hard to try to, you know, stay attached in a way, like stay, like let people know that I still cared about that and I was still part of it. And then different things happened. And I was like, okay, I really am like out here on my own. And I got to do a lot of different things. And I got to work with a lot of different people, which was amazing, because it helped me test out kind of new personalities and and new like, oh, I work for this company, and I work for this person, and I do this. And I just realized at the end of the day, like, it's just Carson Daly, like, it doesn't matter where I go, like, I'm gonna bring that same energy, that same spirit, that same culture with me anywhere I go. And I think it it's very, it's very much like the vibe and what I know of you too. Like wherever you go, people are going to get that. They're going to get Nathan beer. They're going to get beer candid. Like that's how it is. So wherever you end up, I'm like so excited to see. And just, I think it's good to have a little bit of boredom and a little bit of downtime as well for somebody like you who, you know, you very much need to like unplug from the machine that was super rare to a certain degree, like when you're ready to. So just appreciate it and proud of you and glad we got to have this conversation here today. Likewise. If there's one thing that people can take away from this episode, of it's a very delightful, very educational, very encouraging podcast, um, is that it really doesn't matter what you do. It matters how you do it and how it makes other people feel. And I know there's this like, there's this trio of qualities that people who make a very large amount of money have to have. And it's this like Machiavellianism. It's this like lack of empathy. It's this little bit of psychopathy. And that was actually another thing we talked about in Mexico. I think that if your goal is to make a shitload of money, like all these 
you know, podcast hustlers and fucking Instagram, you know, 30 minute ice bath people and people who are taking nootropics, whatever, whatever the fuck. Like if your whole life is trying to get 13 days out of a single week, cause you sleep twice in a day, like good for you. I think you're going to, I think those people are going to wake up one day and realize that they don't have a very good circle around them and not a good quality of people around them. And so if you can take one thing away from this, it's that think in long terms, who do you want to be surrounded by? People who love you because you've accomplished a lot of getting a lot of money or people who love you because you managed to help them find another group of their best friends and another group of people that they've done really well with. Like you want to be that source. Like we talked about Evan, like she's that kind of person. Like I think that you and I are both those kind of people. Like surround yourself be a good person and good people will kind of surround themselves around you too you know something that you know something like dave krugman also i feel feels the same way um and operates the same way like it's not that fucking hard man it's not that fucking hard to think in terms of how other people how what you do makes other people feel your vibe attracts your tribe (laughs) oh my god dude (laughs) Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cut it, cut it all. That's it. <laughs> Throw it no, in the can, the trash can. So well, no, so well said. <laughs> seriously, I'm sorry I had to ruin it, but I just knew you'd think that that's hilarious. It's true. I said that in like glitter fonts. Like, you just imagine I said you that did. in like glitter fonts. <laughs> the little rainbow came across the screen. <laughs> on, I said that in um an Etsy shirt. I said that on an Etsy shirt. That's like the it's language one of your NFT affirmations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Nathan. You are a joy and a delight. You used the word delight before me, but I wrote it in my script. So I'm going to use it. Yeah, I know. Synchron- synchronicity. Um, <laughs> and I'm so lucky. I am so lucky to- that you're my friend. Please tell people where to find you on social media before we go. It is beer candid. Um, people think it's beer candy. It's not beer candy. That's not a thing. It's a uh, beer candid. Like my last name is beer and candid, like the type of photography I like to take. Um, it is that everywhere except Perfect. for LinkedIn, which I think is like NJ beer or something okay. like that. Well, we'll link it in the episode description. There you have it. That wraps another episode of the Carson daily show. I have said it once and I will say it again. You can't go a week in crypto without me because I know the coolest fucking people and I'm tapped in and I ask the best questions and the list goes on and on. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carson Daily. Don't forget to follow Nathan on Instagram and Twitter at Beer Candid. Um, And if you're not already, you better follow this fucking channel and rate me five stars. Okay? Okay. And that's it. Let's wrap. Fuck yeah.